Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, if the life experience of living through a pandemic has taught us anything, it's to appreciate what's important in life. Slowing down to enjoy quality time outdoors in the elements and experiencing the sights and the senses was most definitely one of them. Now, for many of us, it's really awakened, I guess, the primal instincts ingrained within us as a reminder of our deep-rooted connection to Mother Earth and all living things. So today we will do all our best to reawaken some of those reminders, in particular how they relate to the well-being and education of our children. We will be speaking about the benefits of outdoors and what lessons it provides children, along with how and why we should continue to integrate daily outdoor activities into our lives to experience the natural world post-COVID and beyond. So to talk to us about this today, um, really thrilled to welcome back our special guest, Sally Gillespie. Now, Sally is a writer and lecturer in the field of eco-psychology and climate psychology. She gained her PhD at Western uh, Sydney University, researching the psychological experience of engaging with climate issues. She then wrote her book, Climate Crisis and Consciousness, Reimagining Our World and Ourselves to Make uh, What She Learned Accessible to the General Public. Thank you so much for joining us today and welcome back. How are you? Thank you, Rachel. I'm just delighted to be back here with you. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. Oh, well, as I said, I'm really extremely grateful for your time um, and, and to be speaking about this topic. And, and it's something that um, I, in um, preparation for the chat today, had really thought about, you know, everybody had really appreciated their time outdoors during lockdown. Um, and now that life has slowly returned to a new sense of normal um, and the busyness and the stress of life um, in, in many different forms has sort of crept back into our lives. For many of us, we may have forgotten about those those precious moments when we really did appreciate the outdoors. So this is something that I'm really passionate about speaking to you about today and about as a gentle reminder how we all can integrate what we learnt during lockdown into our lives along with the mm. benefits uh, for, for children. But uh, initially, I'd love to understand from your perspective how you can see that the COVID experience changed families' relationship with the outdoors? Well, I think it took COVID and particularly lockdown, of course, to really appreciate what the outdoors gives us and how essential it is for a sense of well-being. I live opposite a park, so I was really able to watch the whole thing close up. Uh, at, uh, during lockdowns and, you know, the slow unwinding of lockdown, how much more those parks have been used. And I would say that has continued to some extent because I think the big lesson that came is that when you take your kids to the park and you are there too interacting with them, and I saw a lot more parent-child interaction in parks going on uh, during COVID, 
the children blossom. You know, the children were just so happy to be outside with their parents' attention, looking at bushes, looking at the birds, having adventures uh, and, and all the rest. And I would certainly say from the perspective of the neighbourhood I live in, the outdoor uh, areas have become a lot more enlivened. Um, what I would like to see parents have taken from that is really not only that they felt better for getting outside regularly with the children, but how the children thrived and how how helpful it is in parent-child relations if you can join in to a mutual sense of exploration, adventure, awe and wonder in interacting with the living world around us. Yes. Well, there's lots to delve into. I just wanted to acknowledge initially that we published your article titled Outdoor Education, A School for Life. Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, can you please tell us what it's about and, of course, just what inspired you to write it? Well, it was initially that sense of watching people get outside and being very struck about the the changing quality of uh, the relating going on there. Uh, But really, I wanted to then link it to the value of outdoor education. Yes. Uh, it's something that's starting to catch on here. It's quite big in the UK and in parts of Europe and, and the US. Uh, and it really, you know, it's a bit of a no-brainer that, of course, if you get children outside more, they will be healthier, they'll be more stimulated, and there will be many benefits that come out of that outdoor education. And it has now been very well documented um, so I really wanted to, to write about some of this and to bring this up into parents' attention, both so it encourages that increased looking at how you can do outdoor learning yourself and your families, but also how to encourage it through preschools and schools. Wonderful. I'd, I'd love to know from, from your perspective, you know, what do the outdoors teach our young ones then? Well, this is partly from my perspective, but it's also from evidence-based research, which we now have a growing amount of. So what we're observing in in children is certainly that they develop a sense of awe and wonder and curiosity and connection with the living world. And this is an incredibly important thing because we are animals. We live because our world lives. And as we know, we've got an ecological crisis going on. These young ones today are going to be having a lot of their life defined by the ways that they are going to be working to heal ecological ecosystems and ecological habitats and so on. And to have that commitment and that interest, you need to have that early sense of awe and wonder in the living world. We also have a lot of research now which just shows how much more children will thrive when they have outdoor learning experiences, as well as times outdoors generally. What we see uh, is an increase of attention, uh, increase of confidence. We see greater emotional resilience uh, and ability to self-regulate or to to look after oneself Um, because the sense of play and adventure outside where not everything is, is, is monitored and set up but there is a sense of being able to do free play and imagination all feeds into an ability to develop greater creativity uh, and greater resilience. 
We also see increase in social skills. Children often play together outside and at the end, because it's not all set up for them, they have to negotiate with one another about how to go about building a fort together or, or constructing a fantasy or adventure or whatever. There's also at a physical health level a lot of benefits. Immune systems benefit when we're outside more. We now know that our gut uh, microbiome needs contact with the living world, with soil particularly, that, that way we get a better gut biota and that feeds directly into uh, not only physical well-being and immune systems but also mental well-being. There's a lot of um, evidence there. So, you know, this is what research often tells us, which is what common sense tells us, <laughs> that a child who can get outside and play and develop, you know, again, sensory motor coordination skills and all those sorts of things and that ability to, to explore through creative play is a healthier and happier child. And there is just so much evidence now to show that that's really true. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. um, I would love to know also, I mean, can time spent outdoors um, help boost children's academic performances? And if, if, if so, I mean, how? Well, the, the concentration's a big one. You know, children are... are as we know, full of energy and curiosity. And if they can go outside and explore and let off some physical steam, um, but also because children are naturally very fascinated by nature. So if you do some of your teaching out there, you know, maybe a bug identification sheet, a bird identification sheet, those are learning skills that they can then take back into the classroom. But that, what they also take back into the classroom is confidence. So what we're seeing... Uh, increasingly in the UK is that children from underprivileged backgrounds are being given time in forest skills and they come back into the classroom and they do much better academically because of all the skills and confidence they have developed outdoors um, as well as possibly for some of those children just being able to have that physical activity helps them to settle. Mm. Now, in your article, you share some um, wonderful ideas that parents can use to help their ch children to get the most of their outdoor education. I'd love for you just to share uh, a few of those with us now. Um, and the first one you you mentioned in the article is to check out if there's any bush kindergarten or schools accessible um, that may run some out of school programs. Could you maybe just expand on, on that for a moment? Yes, at, at present, there's not a great, there are some bush kinders yes, and yep. I think one or two bush schools in Australia, but that's pretty rare. So you'd be very lucky to find one in your neighbourhood and if you are, grab it. Um, but what is developing is that there are often uh, either school holiday programs or after school programs, which give uh children of different ages, some of that outdoor learning experience. Um, I know there's some running up in the Blue Mountains, I'm in Sydney, but check out your area because uh, it is, you know, it is the sort of preference children will have if given the option. But you have to get in early because, of course, children can get very addicted to screens. And we know that screens, the iPads, the iPhones, all of that, have been purposely designed to be addictive. So you need to get your child out there early to have that experience and reinforce the positive experience to, to help build that incentive to then go to bush kinders and so on. But generally, if you get the children there young, they're really, really happy with that. The alternative, of course, is that in the preschools or schools that your children are is to really be a, an advocate and lobby for that kind of outdoor space and to value it. Yes. Um, 
And it's really important that parents bring that message to the schools because often the schools and teachers feel very pressured about the child should be learning behind the desk in the classroom at every moment to get those, those you know, NAPLAN or ATARs or whatever. And that's, you know, that's not understood that those the children will get will do better academically if they actually have quite a bit of their learning be outdoor learning. Yes, you do mention that parents' support is really vital in, in implementing yes. the curriculum mm-hmm. changes as well. So that's that's a, yeah, that's that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, the other thing is to look for school and holiday programs which just have an outdoor focus in general as well, yep. which is um, not just the OSH, the out of school hours care, but this is just mm-hmm. the, um, the, the the school holiday programs as well. Um, and once again. I'm just um, I'm assuming just for parents, obviously, to be looking for their local areas um, as well um, as for, for that, what's available. Yeah, well, that's right because not all schools are equal in this way, and I mean, and that is part of some of the inequity issues we might see, where a private school might have you know huge playing fields and all sorts of different outdoor environments that the kids can go out and learn in, whereas another school might have be very poor and and, and maybe just have some ash felt felt to run around and. So then it's a matter of supporting excursions that will take the children a bit further further afield mm-hmm. um, and, and looking at that because that, I think, is an equity issue and uh, it's also a matter then of, again, if parents can step in a bit and, and, and back teachers who want to take the kids out on excursions, which usually need parent support to happen, um, that's, that's another way to bring that about. I mean, it's yeah. not that children need huge amounts of space necessarily, but the more life there is in the other, there's trees and plants and shrubs, which will bring insects and birds, that all helps. Another form of outdoor interaction that can happen through schools is through gardening. And a lot more schools, even if they've only got raised garden beds, it's still an opportunity to to talk about how does the seed how does the seed grow? What happens when we, we put compost in the soil? How do we make compost? I've had some lovely interactions with the preschoolers up the road. They come to my community garden. We look at how we make compost. I go up there and we plant seeds. And the children at three are so excited to garden and they're so ready to learn about every part of it. What does the compost do? Which, you know, will the will the food be the leaf or will it be the root? And, you know, all those different things. So children are real sponges at that age. Yes. And if we have to decide what we want them to absorb. I think it's a great idea to absorb, you know, how how they breathe, how their food happens and all those basic experiences of life yeah and I love in the in the article you mentioned also with outdoor excursions uh, to things like zoos and national parks as well Mm -hmm. for them to be able to have uh, identification um, games or spotting games Um, there's Mm -hmm. apps and all kinds of things like that as well so that can sort of just keep them engaged throughout that as well uh, and I mean, overall, then, so what do you see um, that our children can actually learn from the outdoor activities and and, and through play? Then they can live, uh, they can learn about the world that makes them, and and enables them to live. And so it's the most basic, as you said at the beginning, primal learning, and it, it gives them a sense of being part of something larger. Uh, and it gives them a sense of groundedness and, and place. And I think both a sense of awe about how the, the living world um, 
produces the incredible diversity and variety it does, but also a bit of a sense of humility too, which I think doesn't go astray in terms of understanding that we're part of this larger system. Mm. And also that real connection with animals, which again, children have so naturally. And to bring that that in, interest into a lively curiosity and yeah, there's some fabulous citizen science programs which are orientated towards children to help them learn a bit more about the insects that pollinate our plants which make it possible for us to have food to eat and all those kinds of things. So I mean how else then can parents increase children's outdoor learning? You know we've mentioned a few of the things in your article um, enrolling in in different um, programs um, and attending things like zoos and national parks. Is there anything else? I just think, at all? yeah, I think on a daily living is show it, it's it's you know as ever children learn from their parents not only what you say but what you do. So it's like if you're walking to school, maybe take some time to see if you can identify the trees that you might walk past. <laughs> if you see a bird, draw your child's attention to the bird. What is the bird doing? Is the bird looking for food? Is the, is the bird making a nest? Is there a baby bird round? If you show a real curiosity, and that doesn't mean you know it all, you might go, well, let's go home and see if we can find what that tree or that bird is called. Um, that will tell your child that that's important and that's a, it's a really lovely, um, rich part of life and, you know, Often we can get very caught up in in things which are very not grounded in the natural world at all, and uh, it can leave us feeling a bit more anxious, to be honest, unless we mm. are grounded. Yeah. And this is all part of a much bigger conversation, and as we've had conversations and interviews previously, mm-hmm. you know, and and as I was mentioning before, you know, thankfully much of our lives have returned back to a, a normal or a new sense of normal, should I say? But it really feels to me. Ali, that you know, I think it's important for us to be really mindful and cognitive of the lessons uh, as human beings that we've learnt over the, uh, the past eighteen months, in particular about the impact the environment has um, on our lives, um, mm-hmm. and of course the world that we're leaving for our children. Um, I just love to know from your perspective, and, and um, I mean, do you think it's important that we continue having conversations like this as a reminder that none of these problems? Um, are a quick fix and we really do need to put sort of consistent attention and diligence and focus towards the importance of the environment. Um, Absolutely, Rachel, you put it very well. And I think that other link there, which perhaps I haven't emphasised enough, is that with that can come conversations about how do we care for this? You know, once there are more birds, we've got to look after the birds we have. How do we look after birds? Well, we plant trees and shrubs that those birds like. And so rather than turning it into a very anxious conversation about, you know, how badly the world is doing at an ecological level. It could be an opportunity to have a conversation about how can we care? How can we care so those birds are happy? Uh, Or how can we grow our own food and learn about growing our own food um, so that we have a greater sense of that, the importance of that, and not just taking that for granted Mm -hmm. or, or not understanding when we go to the supermarket where that food's come from. And then there can be conversations about the farmers and how farmers are part of us getting our food and what we could do to perhaps support farmers who are looking at regenerative agriculture, who are taking special care of their land. So these conversations can get larger and larger according to how 
old your child is. But the only conversations you can have with your child if you yourself show that curiosity and, and yeah, do the same sorts of outdoor learning. I think it's a, a, something we need to do at every age. Yes, yes. It really is, for me, a reminder that it's our generation's responsibility to do everything that we can really to protect uh, the planet for our children and generations to come. Some of, some of the, um, the destruction is, I mean, you would know, uh, obviously, much more than I will ever. I mean, uh, is some of the damage ir- irreversible? Uh, can these things can can these things be fixed um, and or not? I don't know. I think a very important message for children as well as for ourselves is that the living world is is by na- its nature, just as we are, because we are part of the living world, are regenerative. Now, it's unlikely we can go back to restoring the world to as it was. There's been, you know, and and the natural world is always changing. The kind of changes that the human uh, activities have brought have been pretty intense over the last 50 years particularly. But we can work regeneratively and to repair our ecosystems. And every bit of attention and learning we bring to that is is very rewarding and we love those stories where we see a wetland coming back or a species that was about to go extinct build its numbers and things this is the great story of our time and this is the great mission of our time and we need to educate our children uh, around that but that's going to be a big part of their purpose here and what a rewarding purpose to, to aid life in recovering and repairing mm. when it has been damaged out of for all sorts of reasons, including ignorance. Um, mm, I'd love to know, you know, as a follow-on from, from that, do you think that, you know, with everything that we've lived through, um, you know, in 2020 uh, and in the last 18 months, as I just referenced earlier, with bushfires, drought, climate disruption, and, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic it's a lot really when you think about it Mm. Um, but there through and through all of this that there has been some form of a shift in consciousness about the need for action and to 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 protect the environment or not I'd just love to know overall what what are your thoughts well it's always a bit hard when we say we because there are so many different of course yes cultures and so on but I do feel there has been uh, if we look at mainstream culture what I see in social media I think there is a shift of consciousness I think not everyone understands the mechanics of it but the pandemic has been identified as a zoonotic disease which has come out of ecological disruption so there is a sense I think that the out of balanceness of how we have been living and the kind of destructions that have come out of ignorance and at times greed cannot keep going on there's going to be there is a limit to it uh but shifts of consciousness don't happen overnight they're they're a process and we have to understand that there are also cultural mechanisms and political mechanisms that want to hold on to the old you know there's both an inertia there's a fear of change and there's also vested interests where some have done much better out of actually having quite a destructive way of proceeding. Uh, and so it's 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 a lot to process. And so I think most of us grasp that we can't continue the whole techno-industrial kind of way of living without really coming to grips with ecological understandings and ecosystemic repair. 
what we need is, again, a lot of education and leadership to then be able to harness that into some changes which really overall are going to be so beneficial, mm. not only because they're going to, you know, pull us back from ver the very worst of catastrophes, but because actually we will be happier when we're not so caught up in a very competitive and consumerist culture which is ungrounded and disconnected from the living world. Mm. And this is where, yes. of course, we have a great deal to learn from our, our own Indigenous cultures, which carry such a different worldview and such a deep knowledge of oh, the way our ecosystems agree with work. You. couldn't agree with you anymore. And I think that's a conversation for another day that I'd love to be able mm. to expand on more um, with you and how we can integrate city children's um, learning and education mm -hmm. through that also. But just, I guess, to wrap up our conversation today, um, how would you summarise, I guess, the key messages for anyone watching and listening? And what would you like sort of parents to walk away uh, as a takeaway from the interview today? I'd like them to take their child out to their favourite outdoor place and really be with their child, put away the phone and Follow the, follow the children a little bit into what they want to explore or what they want to play to actually learn what, they, what their child enjoys doing out there and to follow that up, follow whatever interest up with encouragement and, and so on. And I would like also to have that chat with the school and the teachers about how you really value outdoor living, outdoor learning and would, would like to see your child uh, yes. having more of that integrated in their education. Well, a child that is uh, passionate about the environment, no doubt, will grow to an adult that is equally as passionate about supporting it in the future. So we Absolutely. all have to start somewhere. So um, I'm very grateful for your time today and for all the information and the wisdom that you've shared with us. Um, if anyone's got any questions and would like to reach out to you and or to buy your book, uh, whereabouts can they find you? Uh, look, uh, I think you've got my handles. I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook. Wonderful. And we'll have all of those in the show notes. Thank you again for your time and I can't wait to chat with you again in the not too distant future. Take care. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's been a great pleasure. Okay, bye. bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening, and be sure to give my love to the kids.